With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio. everyone welcome to the very first episode of worst year ever whoa wow yay yay unreal my name's katie stoll who are you guys my name's i'm i'm robert of the evans from the bastards robert of the evans from the Mm -hmm. bastards all right full title (laughs) i'm cody johnston from not that from not other stuff from the other thing that we do together yeah some more news but also sometimes from the bastards frequently from the bastards yeah frequently Um, and I have I have occasionally been from the news. That's right. There's been a lot of cross pollination here, and this is mm-hmm. our very first yeah. official joint jam. <laughs> yeah. Now our pollen is yeah. finally mixed together. Ooh. It's kind of like how the outrageously like grifting, but more or less a religious wing of uh, of of the Republican Party melded with the uh, the Christian Dominionist wing of the Republican Party to make our current administration, and things are going great, just like they will in this podcast. Yeah, it is yeah. quite like that. Yeah, we are the Republican <laughs> yeah. Party. Now, we, we named our show the worst year ever, both in the literal sense that uh, 2020 is going to be the worst year ever. For everybody. Uh, for everybody. For me, yeah, for that's you, mainly for why them, we called it that. for him, for yeah. everybody. For us. And... It's going to be a weekly podcast uh, in 2020. It's going to be a less than weekly podcast in 2019 as we sort of ramp up and get everyone prepared for the worst year ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and today, I think we we all kind of were looking at like what we could do to provide something of value to listeners rather than just uh, uh, shooting out hot takes about what's happening on the uh, the Beltway 
Right. Uh, and I think we landed on spending hours reading about major news sources and prominent reporters and analyzing them for their biases and flaws in order to give people more context so they can critically review the news that they talk about uh, uh, or that they, they, they ingest over the next year. So I think that that's what we're going to do today. That's right. We are. Yeah. We better be mm-hmm. because it, that's what I've been doing all week. <laughs> we're not doing a different thing than that. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, we, we've talked a lot about like what we wanted this show to be, and I think the goal is to provide something of value uh, outside of just our own opinions, so this seems like a good way to do it. Maybe we'll fuck it up. That's part of the charm of the worst year ever, is is learning whether or not this all collapses in on itself like a dying star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would love to be the first one to fuck it up and just get it out of the way, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm not worried and waiting for it, but I don't mean like I have to go first, but just in general. Like you you're exci- you're excited to fuck up. Yeah, because then I you're won't be to then I up. won't be worried about fucking up. I just want to tear the bandaid off. Yeah, because everyone knows well, everyone's going to fuck up, even though we're all trying our best. <laughs> That's what twenty twenty is about: trying your best and failing miserably. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Did if, my best, if, and that's okay. Yeah, I I would say if we cut off trying your best and uh, from trying your best and failing miserably, we would have a pretty good slogan for the Democratic Party. Uh, failing miserably, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Existing and failing miserably. You know, it's not yeah. bad slogan for this podcast either. Just putting that out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good slogan uh, for all of us. So, um, Cody, why don't you take us in because you have a mandolin, and that seems to qualify you to start first. I do. That's why I carry it around wherever is that, I go. Is that part of your? You do mm-hmm. your presentation today yeah it's my outfit now. it's my it's my whole deal yeah. it's certainly an accessory it's, yeah it gets me in uh at the front of the line it's cody trying to be like jeff daniels on the last episode in the newsroom where they have an impromptu <laughs> jam band session for like, no reason by the way Which? here's four minutes of a song in a garage actually john lovett wrote for and uh, that's something you that for the newsroom yeah he oh worked my on gosh the did you write that briefly. scene where they're on the plane they're like we don't know we, re- we reported the news do not know we all i know, is, the all news. I know is after his uh sitcom 1600 pen mm-hmm. Is that what it was called? Yeah. yeah. 1600 yeah, yeah. Pen failed. Yeah. Uh, then he worked on the newsroom before yeah. going 600 to Pen keep Comedy legend Bill Pullman. Anyway, that's from yeah, my section. A... <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Listeners should know there was a TV show by Aaron Sorkin of the West Wing called The Newsroom, which was about an idealized dumb person's idea of what a very centrist news network would look like. And there's a scene in it where several of the characters are on a plane and people on the plane start getting weird text messages because it's the day that bin Laden got shot and they start worrying that like the the news trickling in about how the president's going to address the nation means there's been a big terrorist attack and the the brave journalists in the plane decide that they need to essentially hijack the flight (laughs) to tell everybody that there hasn't been a terrorist attack and bin laden's dead and all of the plane people get angry at them until they hear that bin laden's dead and then they all start hugging Mm. Um, right because right there he's like really mad at the the captain Mm -hmm. and and the crew of the plane super angry until he sees like like, their delta right it's like the delta insignia the fifth branch of the the armed forces swells (laughs) and he gets very self-important and serious he's like captain i'm here to inform you that we killed osama bin laden for you (laughs) and they're yeah they all hug and like the, the handshake and oh it's amazing it's uh, it's amazing it's really self-important and really cringy and it's really my my goal 
my goal for this podcast is that at some point in 2020, when the three of us are on a plane headed to a convention of some sort or, you know, a, a, a major political uh, event or rally, uh, we have a chance to do that. But rather Please. than it being about a terrorist being shot, it's us informing the plane that one of our elderly candidates has soiled himself on a national stage. <laughs> uh, that that oh, is my dream. Wait. Yeah. And I don't think we'll I have to wait I wanted you long. to know first, Captain... That at 14 minutes past noon, Joseph Biden soiled himself uh, while arguing with Bernie Sanders. Yep. I probably would have said yeah. shot himself. But yeah. Yes. You better get on a plane soon because that's happening tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All let's right. let's actually right. get into this episode that yeah, we've reported. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we've picked, yeah, we've picked various uh, organizations, um, and I've I so we're gonna talk about NPR briefly. Yeah. Um, and uh, because it's it's NPR, we all know, are aware of it. Uh, a brief, just a brief history of NPR. Um, it seems simple enough. NPR uh, it began being a thing that exists in 1970 after the passage of the Public Broadcasting Act of 1967. Uh, the first broadcast was actually coverage of the congressional hearings on Vietnam, and they, cool. they yeah they launched their flagship show, All Things Considered, uh, which you know I mean, kind of an impossible claim. Like all all you yeah, consider things, all, all of the all things. Of them? Come on. And then they added Morning Edition eight years later. Um, they actually almost went bankrupt uh, in the early 80s, and then they sort of restructured how things work. Uh, they've got, like, th- thousands of members stations throughout the country, and they sort of pay a fee to them to get their content. Recently, as of 2009, 26% of their budget comes from corporate sponsors, which I think sets off a, a, Some alarms. Well, a little yeah. bit, but, you know. Um, they no, also... I mean, but how else are you going to know they're going to consider all things? Exactly. Right, right. Yeah. If it's only publicly funded, then you're not considering the big corporate interests. So, you know, yeah. fair. Exactly. Fair. Balanced. Consider Pepsi. Mm-hmm. Consider Coca-Cola. That's both of them. <laughs> Those are the two that you have. <laughs> Those are the options. Those are the options. There is nothing else. Um, they also, they actually also have to adhere to the truth and advertising rules. So, like, you'll notice on NPR, they never... It's never it's never promoting a product. Mm-hmm. It's just describing it, um, which uh, is not you know that significant. But uh, it's a thing that a lot of people should do on their ads. Um, and uh, we'll get to their bias and stuff. We don't need to talk about their many scandals, uh, of which there are not many. Um, <laughs> but uh, so during the in the midst of the Me Too movement, the head of news, the senior VP and editorial director, uh, Michael Oreskes, uh, was accused by two women uh, who said that he unexpectedly kissed them. Mm. Wait, wait for it and stuck his tongue in their mouths there, there's more during job interviews uh, well okay that's pretty egregious but also if he hadn't done that then they couldn't have considered it exactly so, and you have to consider all things all things exactly, exactly. which they actually did uh, consider because uh, later <laughs> like less than a week later uh, on all things considered they reported another woman who had reported his behavior to HR in 2015. Um, so they considered everything. Well, good for them. He no longer works That there. sounds considerate. <laughs> yeah. He's no, no longer with them. But so, uh, so in terms of bias, do they have it? How much of it? Um, they're actually the most trusted news source yeah. in America, uh, which mm-hmm. isn't surprising. No. Although that only means that 61% of them, of America thinks they're uh, trustworthy. So like, I don't know, our institutions are crumbling and our trust in our institutions is also crumbling and that seems like a problem, right? Yeah, you are you are considered trustworthy if only thirty nine percent of America thinks you are literal lizard people. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So congratulations to NPR on probably not being lizard people. Um, I'm not convinced. 
Well, we'll work on that. All right, we can. I can convince you. You are. I guess. Yeah, you would be the third of the people who who don't. Um, mm-hmm. Katie, mm-hmm. you're 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 on board with them not being wizard people. Uh, yeah, I'm on board with that. Okay, me too. Okay, perfect. That math works out. Um, so uh, they've also been accused of bias from everybody, um, like most people. Yeah, but, I don't know yeah. how you don't you get a escape without being accused of bias. Right. The right's going to accuse you of bias. The left's going to accuse you of bias. That's just how it is. They do have an interesting relationship with the Pentagon. Uh, okay. <laughs> just, just in that, uh, like one of the main criticisms I think of them is often when they get like a press release from the Pentagon where they will simply read it mm-hmm. at face value and right. have like no analysis, no sort of questioning uh, yeah. the intent behind it or the truth behind it. Sort of a similar thing with interviews they do, mm-hmm. which again, I think this is going to be a theme of just sort of these big institutions not necessarily questioning the government or military mm-hmm. organizations, less of a... Um, right-left bias and more a governmental sure. sort of thing, yeah. They also, notably, were very pro-war in Iraq, as, again, we'll see many people um, <laughs> be that. Well, I mean, I think that worked out pretty well. We we knocked that statue down, and now Iraq is doing pretty good, right? I don't want to pause the show, but maybe you should Google for a while. <laughs> you want to spend some, a little time on Google? Oh, no. See, oh, oh, no. Mm, yeah. Oh, boy. All you had to do was oh, type guys. the word Iraq. <laughs> oh no! One other thing I think that of note, they made a point to refuse to refer to the Bush administration's torture at Gitmo as torture. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, they went along with the sort of the enhanced interrogation language. Oh sure. Um, one might, did they get that from the Pentagon? Um, yeah, I mean that's what <laughs> that's what they wanted us wanted everybody to call it, so they called it enhanced interrogation. Um, uh, this sort of like new speak. One might refer to it. Uh, I think it's reminiscent of something we're also seeing now um, with the current situation regarding concentration camps for migrants, which the government enjoys referring to as temporary emergency influx shelters, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think NPR is referring to them as. But uh, so they ha- they just sort of have this relationship that is a little not questioning of, of sure. organizations like that. Um, in terms of bias. Again, we'll get into more of this with the New York Times and Washington Post. Uh, it's less left or right, more about the military. But whenever I think about NPR's possible bias, I actually think of a specific interview conducted by uh, David Rubin. Oh, God. Uh, who I know we're probably a, a little too familiar with. Um, we're not here to talk about Rubin in terms of like a source of news. That would be silly. We're not going to talk about like the grifters or anything like that. But uh, in 2017, David Rubin interviewed Ken Stern. Uh, he's a former CEO of NPR. Uh, who had written a book called How I Left the Liberal Bubble and Learned to Love the Right. Uh, if you're familiar with Ruben, you can guess that the majority of his interview tried to steer Stern into complaining about the left and praising the right, despite his book actually being more about like the importance of conversation and mm-hmm. not like the left is bad and I'm leaving it. You know, during mm-hmm. the interview, Rube kept coming back to the idea of like liberals saying like conservatives are the real heroes, saying the NPR is useless saying the NPR is incredibly biased and that the government just shouldn't do anything about it, especially like when it comes to things like NPR. Basically, he continued to bring up the idea that like, what if a private company did NPR instead? Why don't, why does the government do any of this at all? Um, that, that familiar dance we're all familiar with. Um, <laughs> uh, to Stern's credit, he, he was very polite in vehemently disagreeing with all of Dave's horse shit. Uh, repeatedly pointing out that one of the important things about NPR isn't like the fancy, like the liberal elite with their gender queer lattes, but rather it's for the the small towns across the right. country 
that without NPR, they wouldn't have like local news and the kinds of access that they do to this information. That's what NPR does. Uh, right, yes. which is a big problem with uh, the news organization, news at large right now is that people don't have access to like Right, they don't have local news. Um, and not having access to local news actually makes people more polarized. Yeah. Um, so he kept pointing this out. They're like, well, actually, NPR is really good. It brings all this information to people across the country. And uh, one thing he didn't mention, uh, NPR runs the public radio satellite system, which mm -hmm. is not just used by NPR. It's used by everybody. So way to go, space. <laughs> uh, my point, though, in bringing up David Rubin is so like the former CEO of NPR who wrote a book about leaving the liberal bubble face to face with Dave Rubin asked over and over again about NPR's bias for more than an hour still disagrees with him. Uh, the closest he came to was saying that like maybe maybe there's some sort of unconscious bias, but there's nobody there who's just sort of deciding to tell one side of the story. To which Dave says, "I don't believe you." Okay. Uh, and that well, don't you think maybe there's like an unconscious sort of thing going on? Which is like, yeah, he literally just said that, Dave. Yeah. It's it's a very funny interview. Um, I'm getting off track. I didn't want to talk about Dave Rubin. Here we are, though. But here we are. <laughs> uh, but the point being that like uh, in terms of like their bias. Even this guy won't say like, oh, yeah, they're like a bunch of lefties who are like pushing out conservatives. They do give more often than not, like both sides of the story equal weight. Yeah. Would you say that they try to make sure that all things are considered? Um, no. No. Ooh, that's a little clunky. Like that <laughs> okay. phrase is a little clunky. I wouldn't I wouldn't TM that. All right. Um, all right. Like considering most of Every of the things, I think. Okay, a, okay, think that's much that's much cleaner. Yeah. Okay, sorry, continue. Yeah. I can say for, like, when I, my, my father, who's very conservative and a Trump voter, when we talk about political bias and where he gets his news, his go-to for, I listen to left-wing news, is NPR. Like, that's, that mm. is to him the left-wing take on things. That's yeah. A and, yeah, I've had some very, I've had actually some pretty productive discussions with him where I'm like, there's actually really no voice for, like, a, an actual left wing in the American media. Like, liberals obviously dominate the media. They're, I would say, more than 60%. But, like, Hillary Clinton's a liberal. Uh, she's not a leftist. Um, right. Like, Bernie Sanders isn't, like, is barely, like, right, by right. most nation's standards would be, like, kind of in the center left. Like, there's no... Like right. NPR, it's reasonably fair. And I, I do think, and I think like kind of the core of, of what your your essay is getting at, Cody, is that like, they're certainly valuable and it's good that they exist, but they're like kind of a centrist voice um, that doesn't really challenge yeah. the status yeah. quo outside of like kind of in very specific instances. Like every now and then you'll get a piece like, um, I actually found Serial Season 2 had some really good sort of critiques about a chunk of the country that I mm -hmm. came from. Um, and about like the way that the media covers them, but like you know, for the most part, they're trying to present sort of the um, things are more or less fine. The system yeah. just needs fine tuning. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I think that as we go through all of this, we're going to see that the theme throughout it is like, yeah, these networks. I'm going to talk about MSNBC. We perceive it as a liberal network, but the reality is, is that it's really pretty centrist. It's really pretty moderate, yeah. except for like some people that they have on like a show is maybe a bit more left leaning. Yeah. But in general, it is. And like there's just such a polarization in our country that the tr just trying to to stick to the facts has now become liberal you're super right, liberal when right. it's like actually not and they're so towing the line trying not to become come across as uh being biased so it's a, a bit of um 
A clusterfuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I sort of get into that too with the New York Times uh, and Washington Post because uh, and but like this a pet peeve of mine. This like the term liberal media, like the left wing media. Right. What they always mean, almost always, is corporate media. Yeah. Um, and we should bring that back and start saying that because yeah. that, that is really what it is. It's not like oh yeah, all the those MSNBC folks wanting to you know eat the rich or whatever. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't recall that happening. <laughs> So that's that's NPR uh, in a nutshell. I think that they're a fine source for like what's happening, mm-hmm. not necessarily like an, an analysis of what's going on or what could happen or what needs to be done. And honestly, like, yeah, if Robert's dad uh, is, is listening to NPR, even though he thinks it's liberal, I think that's good. Yeah, it's just good to keep in mind. Yeah. The... yeah it's good that he's 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 getting exposed to something besides Fox News. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate that those are the options. But yeah. All right. Before we continue, though, I'm sorry. You both need to shut up because it's time for advertisements. Okay. That was a bit aggressive. Okay. Okay. All right. Fine. I'm fine with this because I hate all of our opinions, but I love products. Me too. Heck yes. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through together or not. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian Cocktail Maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. And we're back again. Still. Still. We're back again still. Speaking of not Fox News, should I talk about Jake Tapper now? J-Taps? Uh, sure. I'm going to call Tapper. him J-Taps regularly. So Jake Tapper is the chief DC correspondent for CNN. Uh, he headlines a show called The Lead, which is a weekday TV news show. He also has a Sunday show. 
Uh, and according to a lot of people, he's basically the closest thing that we in 2019 have to a guy like Walter Cronkite. Uh, okay. In March of 2018, <laughs> the New Republic published an article titled, Why Almost, in parentheses, Everyone Likes Jake Tapper. Um, and that's basically the theme of the article is that like J taps is, uh, is, is our, our best shot at a new Walter Cronkite. And since like n- nobody listening to the show was alive when Walter Cronkite was on the air, um, he was this anchorman for CBS evening news throughout like the entirety of the sixties and the seventies pretty much. And he was considered the most trusted man in America for about 20 years. Um, and so, you know, because we're in this post-truth era where, where nothing is real, uh, and nobody can agree on even basic facts about science, uh, a lot of people are desperate for a voice of reason who can get Americans united behind some sort of, like, basic minimal understanding of the facts, which is an impulse I understand. I get wanting that. Yeah. Um, we all, I think we all would like that to happen. Yeah, keep dreaming. Yeah, it would be nice (laughs) if we could just all agree that the climate's changing. (laughs) As the largest hurricanes nice. in history continue to batter yeah. our shores. That is changing and why it's changing mm-hmm. and that we could do something about it. Right. That you know what, nice. Cody? I'll start with that it's changing. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> um, so that New Republic article basically made the case, yeah, that Jake Tapper was like our, uh, our, our new most trusted man in America. And it included quotes from a bunch of left and right wing pundits. All these guys, it included all these people with different views, like expressing uh, respect for Jake Tapper. One example is this quote from Nick Gillespie, an editor at Reason Magazine, which is like the libertarianist large magazine or news source in the country. Tapper is the only person who, when I see him on TV, I stop to listen no matter what. He forces people who think Sheriff Scott Israel is a good guy to face up to the fact that Israel is kind of full of shit, and he pushes Dana Loesch and the NRA to really explain their contradictions when it comes to recently stated ideas about gun policy. I mean, I'm a libertarian, so I hesitate to say anything is a public service, but that's kind of a great public service he's doing. So that's, 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 yeah. Now, uh... Yeah, the exact Wait, coverage. There's no yeah. public service. Like, there's no like. There's. Yeah, I hesitate right. to say anything is a public okay, service, right, but yeah. here's a public service being provided by this guy who's uh, works for a private corporate media company. Mm, um, yeah, libertarians are consistent above all else. Um, <laughs> now, the exact coverage that Gillespie was um, referencing there is uh, kind of part of the reason I question Tapper's value as an impartial voice. Uh, Scott Israel was the Broward County Sheriff when the Parkland shooting happened. Uh, his department was rightfully criticized for its piss poor response to the massacre, uh, which some characterized as basically waiting while kids died out of, uh, you know, cowardice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tapper gained mass approval from the right wing when he conducted a penetrating and deeply critical interview of Israel, saying things like, Just so people watching at home understand, even after the shooter left the school, there was a period of time where nobody was going into the school. No law enforcement officers. People were bleeding out. Now, for this, Glenn Beck declared Jake Tapper the number one journalist in the nation. Ben Shapiro called it a perfect interview. Uh, But days later, when Tapper held a special CNN town hall on gun violence uh, and held Republican feet to the fire on gun control, the right wing reaction was much less positive. Ben Shapiro called it a show trial on behalf of full gun bans. So... I don't the New Republic article shows this as like an example of how he's he's widely respected by all sides. Um, this just seems like an example of the fact that when Jake Tapper reinforces people's beliefs, they like him. And when his coverage doesn't, they hate him. <laughs> like, I don't know. Right. Um, it's, he did, he yeah. did something they liked. And so they're like, oh, he's perfect. And then days later, they changed their mind because, yeah. they, because he did something else like that's not. Yeah. 
Um, it's Twitter culture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Twitter culture. Um, so uh, some people, like the writer at the New Republic who wrote that piece, yeah, consider this as evidence that he's universally respected. Like I said, I don't know that I really agree with that. And I, I don't see any evidence that like any of these pundits who've praised him for specific things he's done have like seriously reconsidered uh, their views because of anything he's reported on. Um, and I may just be a pessimist here, but I kind of worry a little bit about Tapper's reputation for fairness. I think it matters a lot to him. And I think the word fairness should set your hackles arise whenever it's used to apply to a journalist. Mm-hmm. Journalism is not about fairness. It's about the truth. And the truth is often not fair. Journalists should be capable of looking at issues from an objective point of view. But that doesn't mean they need to present both sides of every issue as equally valid. It just means they need to be able to evaluate the evidence before presenting their audience with the truth. And I'm not going to say Tapper is inherently bad at this. He's actually done pretty well sometimes, at least compared to the rest of the media. And this brings me to how JTAPS first became a national name. Are you guys aware of what his first big story was? I don't believe that I am. I can't wait to find out. Okay. So he wrote a very widely read article for Washington City uh, Paper. Uh, for the Washington City paper, about uh, Monica Lewinsky right after that scandal broke. And the article was probably the most sympathetic piece written about Miss Lewinsky by a mainstream journalist, like at the time when she was under attack by every reporter and hat comedian in the country. So like, you know, Monica Lewinsky becomes public enemy number one for Democrats and a lot of liberals. Uh, And Jake Tapper writes a very sympathetic piece, like making her out as like a full and complete human being who's like, not a monster and like not doing this to try to like scam some money out of Bill Clinton or whatever. Um, so that's good, right? Like that's a yeah, positive that's thing good. to do. Don't now, disappoint me. There's some gonna, problematic, <laughs> there's right. some problematic aspect. Like uh, I'll say this in fairness to Jake, his article was probably the fairest article about Monica Lewinsky that came out through like a really mainstream site or like a news source at the time. But that doesn't mean it wasn't also problematic. It's title was I dated Monica Lewinsky. What? Yeah, yeah. So Jake Tapper had gone on a date with Monica Lewinsky before the scandal Uh, broke. (laughs) The framing of the piece is that our man J-Taps is out on a diving trip in the Cayman Islands. And as he's like at an airport, the scandal breaks and he reads about it in a local newspaper. Um, And the fact that he'd just been diving does not really directly interface with any aspect of the story, but he brings it up constantly throughout the piece. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a diver in my free time. Uh, It takes a lot of lung capacity. He like talks about barracudas and how like you, you you know, when you compare her to a barracuda. No, but he talks about how, like, disorienting it is to, like, get reacclimated to the 24-hour news cycle after being away from it, and how it's like diving more than two atmospheres down, and how you have to slowly, like... Oh, <laughs> it's it's, poetic. Uh, it's poetic. really frustrating. Oh, uh, that's going to stick forever now. Jake Tapper, the uh, diver, that's all I think of him d- now. <laughs> he loves his diving, or at least he did at one point in 1998. Mm-hmm. It also might be the only time he went diving and he just had to get some words out right, on it. Like, I, I gotta, don't know. I got to do a metaphor. What am I going to... Ah, where was I? Okay, yeah, yeah perfect, perfect. Fish! <laughs> so the core of the article is that, yeah, he went on a dinner date with Monica Lewinsky before the scandal broke and he thought she was a nice girl. He repeatedly talks about how she's different from other DC career-oriented women. Um, he makes two separate references to her weight, calling her zaftig and chubby at different points. I hate He makes this. a third <laughs> reference to how she eats appetizers and not salad uh which he does present as positive but is really weird in context yeah you don't need to comment uh, late, on that bud 
He does repeatedly. Also, one date doesn't Let, mean you dated. Sorry. <laughs> now, 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 Katie, do you want to, do you think Jake Tapper talked about whether or not he fucked Monica Lewinsky in this article he wrote for a mainstream news source? Oh, no, he didn't, did he? He so did. No. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't oh, fuck no. her, but he talked about how she didn't fuck him. Um, I'm going to quote a selection from that piece, that selection from the piece, because it really says a lot about Jake Tapper. Quote, and to be brutally honest, I got with her because I figured that behind her initial aggressiveness lurked an easy, perhaps winning, bit of no-frills hookup. Nothing of the kind happened, so either I am imminently resistible, which is certainly within the realm of possibility, or Monica is not the tart she's being made out to be. What? Yeah. I oh, am it, nauseated. It, there's more? It, oh, yeah, there's more! Yeah, maybe if I had the Marines under my command, things would have been different, Wait. but I'm not so sure. <laughs> All right. Okay. Go I mean, he sounds like you know. He's oh, it a keeps little, a going. Little Maybe I would have got the military to force her to. Oh my God, Jake! All right. <laughs> uh, power does weird things to people. More than once, I have found myself laughing my ass off and nodding in agreement while some fading star is held forth on something I could care less about. Offended me even. Does that make me a nitwit, a himbo waiting to happen? I think it just makes me toweringly average in Washington. Just another creature who is here because that is where the national vat of power lies and I'm sitting here waiting for my bowl full. Huh. Oh. So he knows. Yeah. So he knows. He yeah. knows who he is. He yeah. knows who he is and why he's there and what he's doing what he wants. All right. Wow. <laughs> also, props for the term himbo. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah, that, that's um such a, <laughs> clever. Such a 90s term. Mm-hmm. Himbo? Uh, I've yeah. never heard that term before. Oh, it's super 90s. Knowing where I mean, the media a, it's, was. It's a bimbo, it, it, but him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a male, yeah, male, yeah. A male bimbo. Okay. One might say knowing a, a where, mimbo or whatever. Either I would that. go with mimbo. Yeah. Or just neither. Knowing where like news budgets were before the internet really took hold, my imagination of that the like the day that he came up with that frame is he like sat down at his computer for about four minutes, like staring at that paragraph, wrote bimbo, and then <laughs> deleted the word B and added an H and said that's enough for the day. I'm going to collect my $4,000 and <laughs> He's like, go out to win. dinner. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to win a, an award for this. Uh, oh, send. yeah. That's Submitted. a Pulitzer. Saint and send. <laughs> yep. For your approval, America. Yeah. Now, in more recent days, Jake's commitment to fairness and to listening to voices on all sides of the political aisle has led to him getting played by right-wing grifters. Mm. Regular listeners of Behind the Bastards, my other podcast, will have heard the episode I did on Andy No, a Portland-area news grifter. He was famously attacked by Antifa. This was presented in the mainstream media as an unprovoked assault by anti-fascists against a journalist just doing his job. Now, video was later released that showed Andy participating in a right-wing mob as it armed itself, planned, and carried out an unprovoked assault on a left-wing cider bar on May Day. A young woman was struck from behind and had her spine broken as part of that assault. This was one of the major inciting incidents of the attack on Noah a month later. He wasn't hit for being a journalist. He was hit for being part of a violent right-wing street gang. Now, that doesn't make it right, but time and context has shown that presenting his assault as Antifa attacks a journalist for no reason was deeply inaccurate. Nonetheless, Andy was able to grift like $200,000 and provided fuel for the government to um, declare Antifa a domestic terrorist group in the weeks mm-hmm. before that video dropped. He was able to do all of this in large part thanks to Jake Tapper. Within minutes of the assault, Jay Taps retweeted Andy's video of himself you know, after he got hit, saying, and Jake said, quote, Antifa regularly attacks journalists. It's reprehensible. Okay. Jake, do they? 
They do not. They I, just do they not. Should. I've been around them dozens of times. I I know dozens of journalists who have. I have watched them shove cameras a couple of times. There are isolated incidents where individuals have punched. Like one of the most famous ones is um, Taylor Lorenz, who wrote recently for The Atlantic. I think now is with The New York Times. She got punched by an anti-fascist during the 2017 Charlottesville rally. Um, she was punched because immediately after the terrorist attack that killed Heather Heyer, she was filming. And this person, in a very emotionally charged time, hit her. It doesn't make it right. Obviously, there's some defensible cases as a journalist for filming in the wake of something like that. But declaring that a guy who has just watched someone get murdered in a terrorist attack, having an extreme emotional reaction and punching a journalist does not equate to Antifa regularly punches right. journalists. They just yeah. don't. Like, And they know that. that. A, he knows yeah. that. He should know that. I don't, I I don't, don't know, know, know that he does. Yeah. I don't know that he does. I think Jake Tapper is addicted to this reputation he has of like showing both sides. And this video with no context looked like a clear case of how he could like attack a left wing group and get a win with the right. And I think that's more important to Jake than actually and also having a take on this thing that had happened and became the biggest news story of the day was more important to him than doing any sort of research, digging into the issue and figuring out what was going on like a journalist. Um, I do think Jake Tapper probably was a journalist at one point. Like one of the things I can respect about him is he actually had got his start doing a lot of like freelancing and stuff. So, you know, he had to work his way up to an extent um, but what he's doing now and what he did with Andy No was not journalism. It was punditry and it was wildly irresponsible and right. dangerous punditry. So when Jake Tapper does something like arrange a, 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 a discussion between people like Marco Rubio and like some of the Parkland kids about gun control, that's a good thing. I'm glad that existed. I'm glad he was a part of that. Um, I'm not going to say he's always bad or you should never trust him on anything. He clearly has his skills. That said, you should be wary about trusting him or his coverage when he comments on something he has not personally investigated at any depth. Um, because he seems to have an addiction to being seen as a fair and balanced reporter right. of both sides. And that can be taken advantage of. Yeah, he um, wants his uh, yeah. bowl full of power. Yeah, he wants his bowl full of power. We have to take a quick break for an ad. Though. God, I love ads. Are we going to consider this? We are considering all things. Yeah, it's one of the things, so it's we will consider things. it. Yeah. So let's all yeah. just take a moment to consider this. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through together or not. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. 
So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great tasting all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Everything is so dumb, 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 dumb. Wow, we. some ads. Oh, I bought all of them. Already? Oh, I yeah. am. I am as hard as a pipe rail gate, y'all. Thanks to those ads. <laughs> oh, good. That's exactly where I need you to be to talk about MSNBC and Rachel Maddow. So that's perfect. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm trying to make this show accessible to my fellow Southerners. So mm-hmm. I compared my penis to something that would appear on a farm. And you know what? We all appreciated it. Yeah. And learned Thank something you. about you and about farms. Mm-hmm. And cool. Your, and, and your friends and your dick and just learning a lot of stuff right now. <laughs> all right. Let's mm-hmm. learn some stuff about MSNBC. All right. Ooh. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. MSNBC is one of the farthest reaching channels in the country, reaching about 81% of households with cable. That's a lot. MSNBC was launched in 1996 as a partnership between NBC and Microsoft. But note, NBC at that time was owned by General Electric. By and large... It is considered to be a liberal network, you know, like we talked about just a few minutes before this. Uh, But I would actually say that it's just more liberal leaning. Uh, A lot of people out there consider MSNBC to be the Fox News of the left and Rachel Maddow to be the left's Sean Hannity, which is ultimately not fair. But there are some strands of truth to that, which we're going to get to in a minute. But yeah, in reality, it is very much a moderate network with predominantly moderate hosts and shows like Morning Joe and Chris Matthews. And in general, MSNBC is very much in line with the Democratic establishment. Um, Actually, a 2017 Pew Research poll found that MSNBC was the number two choice for people who backed Hillary Clinton. And another interesting little tidbit that I found is that apparently... Fox News viewers are more likely to back Bernie Sanders than people who watch MSNBC. Uh, This is according to a morning consult poll, which said that 22 percent of Fox News viewers who also identified as potential Democratic primary voters back Sanders compared to just 13 percent of MSNBC viewers. So, you know, that kind of sends a lot, says a lot about the demographics of MSNBC and, and how they tend to skew Um, But all of that said, MSNBC does also attract a lot of progressives and Bernie voters, uh, specifically to the Rachel Maddow show. So now I'd like to talk a little bit about Rachel. Uh, She was born Catholic family, Castro Valley, California. She got her B.A. at Stanford, was the first openly gay Rhodes Scholar in American history. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, I know. That's pretty cool. She also got outed by her school newspaper at Stanford uh, for being gay. She hadn't told her parents yet, but they like did a piece cool. about her. Yeah. She did her graduate and doctoral work at Lincoln College, Oxford, and has a PhD in politics. 
as I mentioned, she's openly gay. She's been with her partner Susan since 1999. This doesn't have much to do with the news, but <laughs> I just wanted to share this one little fact is that they never got married, uh, which is no big deal. But she's openly commented a few times that she actually thinks gay marriage denigrates gay culture, that it like detracts from how they recognize long term relationships. And that's gotten a lot of flack from other people. I mean, I'm, I don't identify as gay, hmm. uh, but I've heard, you know, I've seen comments and Reddit threads about that, uh, people being pretty disappointed with it. But anyway, Rachel started her career in radio in Massachusetts after she won a, a contest to be a morning co-host for Dave in the Morning. Uh, she then eventually joined Air America in 2004 and then got her own two-hour Rachel Maddow radio program. Uh, and that's when her star began to rise and she started becoming uh, a frequent guest on MSNBC, specifically on the long-forgotten Tucker Carlson show. Remember when Tucker MSNBC's Carlson... MSNBC's Tucker Carlson. Yeah, MSNBC's Tucker Carlson. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she. I guess she was invited on to regularly get his goat. <laughs> you know, back then, Tucker was still a conservative, but, you know, he had some sort of morals still, I guess. But then, you know, he left for Fox News sure. and turned into a cockroach. And she was given her own hour-long show on MSNBC. Surprisingly, Rachel has said about herself in interviews that she has never and still don't think of myself as an Obama supporter, either professionally or actually. And she feels liberated by having a professional role in which it's probably better for me to not take sides. And I included that because that was <laughs> pre-Trump. Mm. Um, so it's maybe a little less hypocritical than it sounds and more like, no, it's kind of hypocritical. Uh, but it is foreshadowing for how, how much she would change in the near future. Like I said, Rachel is MSNBC's probably their most liberal host. And she, yeah, she is pretty biased. She's been beating this Russia drum the entirety of this administration yeah, every, um, night. every night. Although, according to interviews, she apparently sees herself as not a partisan and calls herself a national security liberal. And I'm not. What do you guys think that means? Because I don't know. That's what that a means. liberal who gets, if you'll pardon the term, hard whenever we shoot missiles at somebody. The, yeah. that, like a national security liberal is like the mainstream uh, uh, TV guys who, when we launched those cruise missiles at one of Bashar al-Assad's air bases, talked about the beauty of our weapons. Yeah, That's Brian a Williams. national security and, liberal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought that might be it, but it was very confusing to me because she was also very against the Iraq war. She wrote a lot about it, did a lot of reporting about that. So that was a bit confusing to me, but that's how she identifies. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, let's talk about post-2016 Rachel. Like I said, kind of lost her mind over this Russia <laughs> investigation. And look, on an emotional level, I do get it. Uh, this was this huge mystery. We have no trust in the government that they would conduct an, an effective investigation. And we understand that journalists do a lot of work breaking stories. However, what she's done is different. She's meandered into yeah. conspiracy theories. Uh, you know, night after night, she presents this ever building sense of anticipation. She spins stories and theorized and planted seeds of conspiracy that absolutely ratcheted up the hysteria. You know, again, 81% of yeah. households watch, you know, like right. get MSNBC um, while also ignoring actually important things that were happening on a day-to-day -day basis. 
I would call her like one side, like there's two different ways in which uh, liberal or left-wing journalists fucked up coverage of Russiagate. On one side, you've got Rachel Maddow, who makes it into this gigantic, like, and, and really like clear conspiracy, which it wasn't. And so like by getting people to expect that, she did huge damage to like yeah. getting people to take seriously the actual crimes that were committed. And then on the other side, you've got Glenn Greenwald, who insisted like nothing really wrong was done and like there was nothing to focus on in there, yeah. which is also untrue because there was a lot of, of shady exactly. shit that went down. But it like, um, it really was yeah. at a detriment to the actual findings of the investigation and to what we expect, uh, you know, and, right. and you know, when she kept promises, the way she built it up, it always met, it always felt like the hammer is about to fall. And so not she only Al Capone's did... vault it. <laughs> yeah. it. Al Capone's vaulted it. Yeah. It's like, and it's, yeah. it's, so not only is it deflating what we actually find, but I think it contributes a lot to people's burnout uh, throughout yeah. those, those years, these years. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, like just, Building up expectations and dashing them. She did a similar thing with uh, his tax returns at one yes, point. Yes, exactly. Right. When she says, we've got them. Yeah. Like, there's a whole thing. Everyone's, like, on Twitter, like, oh, we got to Everyone tune into Rachel Maddow for the tax returns. And, like, it was not really right. anything. It's like, no. well, why didn't you look into that before you did this whole thing? Yeah. Or you knowingly, you knew that people right. were like disappointed, I said, look into but, you it, but you did. pumped yeah. it up. So, anyway, you know, I just think it's important to note all of that because if we're gonna con- going to criticize Fox News let's say, for being irresponsible with their reporting. You really have to do the same thing for Rachel Maddow. And interestingly, she was just hit with a $10 million defamation lawsuit from the OAN network. What is the OAN network? Well, that stands for One American News, uh, which is a small family-owned conservative network based in San Diego. Uh, that's currently been a challenging Fox News for you know conservative cable Viewers, uh, you may also remember them uh, for <laughs> receiving a lot of favorable attention recently from Donald Trump. Yeah, obviously he he loves. They've got some programming on that show. They do. It looks like it's uh, filmed on a green screen in someone's garage. It's even. so it's, it's, yeah, it's very so weirdly lo-fi. Yeah. Anyway, they're suing Rachel for calling them paid Russia propaganda on air. Uh, I guess Comcast, which owns MSNBC, had refused to carry the own network. And then uh, a couple weeks later, Rachel discussed a story that was first broke by the Daily Beast about an own employee uh, who also worked for Sputnik Nudes. Um, And she built to the point that in this case, the most obsequiously pro-Trump right wing news outlet in America really literally is paid Russian propaganda. And also their on air U.S. politics reporter is paid by the Russian government to produce propaganda for that government. But this isn't actually accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The reporter... Uh, Ukrainian, I believe, Christian Ruz, uh, was a freelancer for Sputnik News, uh, not a staff employee. And according to the lawsuit, his work there has nothing to do with his work at OWN. Uh, and yeah, I just poked around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, If he worked for Sputnik, it is literally accurate to say that he is a paid employee of the Russian intelligence apparatus because that's who runs Sputnik News. That said, that doesn't make her claim that OAN is like literally Russian propaganda accurate. But if this guy wrote thousands of articles for Sputnik, he absolutely is was paid by the Russian security establishment. Right. But Um, anything that he did, but like what he's doing on the own network, he's doesn't talk about anything. Russia is what I'm getting to. Like, yes, he has worked for them in the past. So there's like this grain and like, yes, that's something interesting to note yeah, consider but that like and... talking about it on you know 
this highly popular uh, program that she has and framing it as he's literally being paid by the Russian government to put propaganda in the American news stream isn't accurate. Uh, it hard to prove based off. It's hard to prove. And by, like yeah. maybe I mean maybe maybe there's a world where it is, but that's not a provable thing based on what she has. And it was it's an irresponsible thing in my opinion to put out there on yeah, the air. It's a kind of Louise Menchie. Yes. Uh, that sort of like everyone is uh, everyone's a Russian troll or a Russian bot or a Russian asset. Yeah. Uh, no matter what you say. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's my little bit about Rachel Maddow. And like I have enjoyed her at times. I think that she's incredibly intelligent and I think she asks good questions. Like she has done some great interviews. Um, she does follow up consistently with people, but I've stopped watching her program personally because I can't. Uh, I don't like to have to sift through what is, you know, not necessarily true. What's her theorizing? Right. It's frequently like, you know, could this be a plant? Could, you know, have they taken over our government? She says things like that regularly. Yeah, she's got a lot of that uh, uh, Charlie Day energy uh, <laughs> with the, yeah. the, the strings on the wall and stuff. Yeah. And like some of it is true. Like that she says, because she's a reporter. She like, like you said, she's intelligent. She researches stuff, but a lot of it is just like putting strings, uh, <sighs> connecting them to other photos and stuff. Yeah, I think she's a perfect example of how toxic TV news is because you've yeah. got this person who is a, an intelligent, thoughtful person, and if she, uh, if she had limited her journalism career to heavily researching and putting out a, a limited number of articles or, or videos on subjects she'd investigated thoroughly. Um, she'd probably have done some great work, but because she was putting out like a, what was it? It's a nightly show. Um, yeah. You've got to like drive up viewership and do this, do this yeah. Al Capone's vault, vault bullshit where you like, you have to, you have to hype it up and get people listening, which means that like you're constantly, you do, there's no way to responsibly get that much useful news out to people on that kind of a schedule. So you're going to essentially wind up lying to them about what yeah. you have on a regular basis, which like is part of why nobody trusts or believes in anything even anymore. And I'm yeah. not saying like Rachel Maddow is responsible for the death of truth. Her career is an example of a piece of the death of truth and like yeah. how toxic don't listen to TV news. Don't watch TV news. It's bad. It's right. killing everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I've, all these people. I've stopped, you know, I used yeah. to, trying to get every the different perspectives but it oof. yeah you, you weren't really getting I, I, different it, perspectives pa <laughs> you pad you pad everything and then you sensationalize everything yeah. and then it's yeah yeah falls apart yeah it it takes like no really like like the best journalists in the world right now get maybe a dozen really good scoops a year yeah. Right, because you take uh, your that, time that, also. Like when news You take breaks, a long time. Yeah. yeah. You put work into it. You know, even, outside even of analysis. like reporting Yeah. Uh, you want to take like, okay, the thing happened. I could have a take yeah. like a Jake Tapper. I could have a take right now or I could wait because yeah. right. but you you can't wait. It has to be immediate. Everything's immediate with 24-hour news and Twitter now. Yeah. So it's just, it's, yeah. it's all poisoned. It's all poisoned. Uh, stop watching. That's the thing. Like I have, we've, I've talked, like my parents are both Trump voters. And so I talk to them regularly about what they, um what they consume news-wise. And we have a lot of arguments, some friendly, some not so friendly about like you know, my attempting to get them to like pay attention to stuff that's not Fox News. 
and they do, but it's always other TV news. And like, they mm. finally ask, like, well, what else should we be watching? I'm like, don't watch it. Like, read <laughs> reported right, right. articles. Like, 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 like. That's that's what's important. Uh, yeah. Don't don't fill your brain with like this daily flood of we have to get something out, you know, by five this afternoon. So like, we're not going to look into it at all. We're just going to shit out like whatever story we have. Like, it's the same thing that with like Jake Tapper and the shit happening in Portland. You've got this story that's been going on for three years and it's very complicated and a bunch of journalists have devoted thousands of hours to like reporting it and studying it and then Jake just bulges in and was like ooh you gotta get something out today it's uh, nine words like yeah. like it's gotta the same get something yeah. out today um, yeah I don't know that we're gonna have time to talk about the daily I also looked into that there was not much uh, to say about it but that's a, a, a pretty thoughtful podcast and yeah. uh, the antithesis of what we're just talking about because they don't do things right away they'll still make it topical but they're going to take yeah. a beat to craft something you know right. and to interview people and get a couple different people to talk about so the daily is a good podcast you can check out it's every day right. uh, between 20 and 30 minutes for us, um, they're preparing these topics and then like if it has to do with the news they'll tie thought, it in it's but, thoughtful yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. and not sensationalist but Honest, you know, I, I haven't listened to all of them. I'm sure they've made it's, some missteps. But. So you can't have a good reporting and honest reporting yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. You just have to, yeah, take the time. It has to be varied because like what they do on the daily, they're not just having like a stable of pundits being like, what do you think about this thing that's happened right. that you can't possibly have researched? They're having like a specific person who spent probably months or weeks at least studying that story exactly. and like reporting it like to talk about it yeah right. instead of yeah nine people together yelling at each other about their opinions yeah. so tell your parents the, the to modern to daily. yeah yeah like, like the modern state of cable news especially as it like applies to politics is like if you went to a it, it's like if you hired six really good looking people to diagnose cars uh, and like had them run a mechanic shop and it's like well but they don't they don't know anything about like cars they're they're just good looking people who are good at talking uh right, right. it's 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 dumb it's bad it's killing us all america loves cars speaking of stills i'm going to start operating an illegal whiskey still in order to keep myself sane throughout the election that's going to be the worst year of all of our lives would you guys like to do an episode where we drink my homemade moonshine and possibly go blind live on the air we can live stream it oh can i do that without going blind Okay. No. Uh, uh, all right. Fuck it. You only live once, right? <laughs> <laughs> you only live once, and I'm well informed. You only go blind once. That's true. Oh yeah. well, that's good. Just get it out of the way. Kind of like me sharing my first section here on our new show. Mm -hmm. um, Yogbado. We've kind of run out of time, so we have to wrap this one up and continue sharing all of our research on another episode. Yeah, we're going to have a part two. It, it'll be on the day that this comes out too. Yeah, so if you're, you're listening to it, don't worry. You don't have to wait. Just go get the second one. Yeah. Now, guys, isn't this just a shameless attempt to get more downloads? Yep. Um, I okay. Would, I would say it's an attempt to uh, make downloads? Not, not a two and a half hour podcast. Also that. That's also But fair. also, I feel no shame about it. <laughs> oh, no shame. No shame. No, no, no shame. Yeah. No, the, the beauty of the post-truth era is that shame is dead because no matter how shameful we act, there's always been Shapiro. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You got your Speaking of which, <laughs> I have some brain pills to sell. Thank oh. God. I could use them. Uh, do they, are they, do they work? Well, they're not commercial brain pills. They'll make pills. you go blind. Okay. Uh, some people say they're just psilocybin mushrooms uh -huh. that I ground up uh, and 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 poured into a cup with my morning coffee. Would you say but, that? 
Yes. Is that the magical kind? <laughs> yes. Is that the magical kind? Because I'm looking for a place to buy mushrooms. So great. <laughs> well, Katie, I think that's a conversation for our next 2020 <laughs> podcast. I'm looking for a place to buy mushrooms, which... <laughs> catchy. Real catchy. Yeah. All right. We have to wrap I'll, I'll this... I'll work on that theme song tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have to wrap this up now, but we're going to be back immediately. Mm-hmm. So you're welcome. Yeah, um, we're going to say goodbye and then we're going to say hello. Where, where can we're going to say goodbye and we're all going to be played out by our theme song, which if my notes are correct, was written and performed by uh, the inimitable Bob Dylan. So That's correct. It's true. <laughs> Let's roll it. Um, Prove us wrong. Real quick. If you want to find us, you can check out our website, worstyearpod.com. You can check us on Twitter, worstyearpod, or on Instagram, worstyearpod, on Instagram. That is easy to remember. <laughs> Did I do all those right? I was reading, you nailed it. I was reading off of Sophie's screen across the table, and I've got bad eyes, so I God, guessing. I love professionalism. Wait, I yeah. really love professionalism. Yeah, I'm just waiting. Just pull off, again, pull off the band-aid. Pull off the Band-Aid. Speaking of Band-Aids, here's Bob Dylan. Worst Year Ever is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.